In Jesus' name. Father, we commit ourselves into your holy hands today. As we reflect about your word in the place we walk. Help us today, Heavenly Father, to change and to always focus on you, the place we walk. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise God. What we are going to discuss today is more of a reflection on our lives. But the important thing for us today is actually to reflect. Look inwards unto yourselves. Look inwards unto yourself. It's like taking an account. Majority of us are already working. Let us look unto ourselves. I'm a teacher, so I may follow some principles of teaching. The objective is actually, at the end of this church service, all of us, including myself, we have some attitudinal change in our workplace based on the word of God. If there's anything I say you object, you can raise your hand. The other one is that we should preach to at least one student or fellow worker tomorrow, which is 7th of July 2000. If you, are, if you disagree, just disagree in your heart with God. And they are not only tomorrow, but for the rest of your work in your workplace. Praise God. What are the facts in our places of work? The facts. Our place of work actually supposed to be a major outlet of the word of God and evangelism. However, we have our salaries and wait for a lot from our workplaces. Not souls. We just decide to work, to get our money, and we don't care whoever is sitting beside you. The major aim is to get money. But that is not the reason why God give us work. The second is that the another very frightening fact is that most of us spend 8 to 8 hours out of 16 waking hours at work, 5 to 6 days in a week. So roughly we spend 40 years a week on non-biblical work ethics. So the majority of our work are actually spent outside Christ. Outside working for the gospel. A chunk of our life. Very huge chunk of our life. So what we are going to do today is to reverse it. The other very frightening fact is that the work ethics of Christians and non-Christians are virtually identical. Our work ethics of Christians, you can't move into a place and ask how, is this person a Christian? Like we are working, if you move inside that place and ask them, ah, they are looking for brother, they tell you, ah, is that man a brother? Then it means that my Christianity has what? Failed completely. That is the truth. Most of us are lazy. I don't know how many people have actually gone to offices to get files. Or to allow people to process whatever you need. It takes hours. It takes days. The Christians are there. They belong to churches. Some of them have anything you can. We have names. 
we really don't, nobody can distinguish between a Christian and a non-Christian in a place of work. These words we are going to correct as of today. Some of us are lazy. A child, you cannot be lazy and godly. Those two don't go together. You must be hardworking wherever you are working, anywhere, any assignment you are given as a child of God. You must be hardworking and stand out of it. The other one is lateness. An unbeliever comes late, a Christian comes late. So, Kerife Diziche. There is no difference. Some of us are also absent from work without permission. We don't get appropriate at any slightest in either your coughing or your diarrhea or anything. Any little thing, you are absent from work. And then some of us, they lies about our age and the time we come to work. Others are signing. Because you are going to be punished, you also lie in that signing. These are facts. I work both in public and private sector. So I'm very, these things are very clear to me. Praise God. I now ask myself, what is the vision of God about me? I know there's a, a family in the U.S. called the Kennedy family. When I was young, I was reading. The parents said that when they gave birth to them, they had a vision. They say they are producing presidents. If a child misbehaves, he tells the child, this thing will not take you to the White House. If he does any little thing, he tells you, this thing will not do what? Will not take you to the White House. So he has a vision. A majority of them, one of them became the president, and others also attend, some of them are senators. Those of you that read history knows that this thing. The same thing, God has brought us. He has a vision of me, and he has to also have a vision of you. So look at what the Bible, the vision God has on us. He said, thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth. But how? Will God come up and do this for us? The vision God has. The second vision, he said that he is the soul, we are the what? The salt of the earth. So that anywhere we are walking, anywhere we are walking, if there's any difficulty, if there's anything that is not, they should go and look for bro John. Go and look for bro Kene or sister Kene. We are the salt. That's the vision God has about. That's how he sees us. The vision. The other one is the light of the world. About salt, I was a toddler during the war anyway, but uh, stories were told about absence of salt during the Civil War. Those people that are older may understand what I'm saying. Absence of salt. So that some people were saying that people, if you have salt, somebody leaks the salt and gives another person just to touch the what? The tongue. So that was the importance of salt in human life. And God also said that we are what? The salt of the earth. The next thing is the light of the world. I was playing with my vision till one professor of ophthalmology told me that, look, it is better for him to die than to lose his sight. So I understand the importance of light. If you close your eyes now for a moment 
and presume to live the rest of your life like that. You understand what light is. Just close your eyes. Presume you are going to live the rest of your life without light. Or if there is a total darkness and somebody just shines a torch on you. So God made it impossible for us that, look, his vision of us is that we are the light. And then we have what? Ife. So that if there's anything happening in the office, if there's anything happening anywhere in your place of work, either as a mechanic, as a student, difficulties, or somebody refuses to say that we are going to close the day, somebody stays an extra time. Or you are a doctor, the clinic has closed, and one person who took transport, falling and had accident, did all the other, struggles into the clinic after five. Are you ready to sit back as the light of the world to look after that pet? That's what the, Jesus had unto us. The next thing is that, next vision he has, he said, go into the world. So, our world is what? Our workplace. Not the church. Not the pulpit. So, our main field is not in the church, but in our workplace, in our hotels, in our hostels, and in our schools. So then you ask yourself, will I disappoint this vision? Will I disappoint what? This vision. Some people give back to children. They say, I want this one to be a nurse. I want this one to be a pastor. I want this one to be a, a doctor. That vision your parents have about you and you have about yourself, how are you going to fulfill it? So why did God actually ordain work in the first instance? Why did God propose in making us to work? God purpose in making us to work. One is that his people should be self-supporting. See Genesis chapter 3 verse 19. Praise God. Sometimes when I share this scripture with people, they say it's a costing. You don't need to walk that way. It is a, it's, a, it's after the fall. It's not true. You need to walk. You need to do what? To walk. And you need to go to walk. So that you should be self-supporting. You don't become a burden to your parents. You don't become a burden to the entire church of God. You don't become a burden. Not when things are being shared, you just come there and continue collecting. The essence of God is to make sure that he's self-supporting. The next one is that his people should find self-fulfillment. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 24. Must find some self-fulfillment in your work. The best thing anyone can do is to eat and drink and enjoy what's he has earned. And yet, I realize that even this comes from God. When I finished, when I came back from youth service, I was a young doctor. I was trying to get her poultry, her pigries, and every other thing. I was actually, when my father came there, he looked at it. He laughed. He told me, look, that you are doing this thing just to get money. We don't love these chickens. We don't love these pigs. And you won't succeed. If you don't find pleasure 
in your work. Change a work where you will enjoy the work. Is it not true? Don't just work in order to get money. You must enjoy your work. It's part and parcel of your life. The greater percentage of your life is spent what? On working. So why do you want to do something that will be boring throughout the days of your life? It's an ordeal. That was not the reason why God created work. He created work that you become, you enjoy the work. Praise God. The other thing is that people should serve others. The essence of getting work is that we should also do what? Serve others. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28. Ephesians 4 28. Let us fail no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good, that he may have to give to him that needed. Praise God. You may be a very rich person. Your children may have grown and you don't have any need for money. But you can work. It's part of the God's ordain. You can work in order to do what? To help others and to support the ministry. You can even pick up an extra job. Once you have the strength, there's actually no need wasting your time, staying at home, loitering, watching TVs, saying that, look, I have finished everything. It's not true. You can pick up a job, and the main reason behind that job you are doing is to help others, to support the ministry of God, to try to help people who could not work. So it's part of the ordination of God. The fourth one is that, that people should glorify God. Colossians 3:17. And what says ye do in words or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Whatever you do, whether you are a mechanic, whether you are a teller, whether you are a doctor, whether you are a nurse, whether you are a lab scientist, whether you are a student, the aim is to do what? To promote the ministry. To do what? To promote the ministry. Any other thing you are doing you are, is, is wasting your time. Remember that you are immortal. And everything you are doing is going to be taken good care of. Finally, the fifth one, I'll read it, is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Praise God. Praise God. The Lord took man and put him in the garden of Eden to do what? And I will say, to walk it and take care of it. He didn't just put man there to watch movies, to source internet, do you understand? To source the net, to dress, to chat, to do anything around, but to do what? To walk in it and to do what? And take care of it. So we are brought here to walk. We have to know how to go into balance the two as we go on to these messages. Praise God. So, what is the Christian's attitude, right attitude to work? We are now coming to application. You know, when you are in Sunday school, you are told to cram and recite things. Once you recite everything, in the Catholic Church, they call it catechism. Some people call it memory verse. When you recite those things, you are not even bound to practice it. Is it not true as a child? But as you grow up, Everything you read in the Word of God, you now need to do what? To practice it. 
Colossians 3, 23-25 say, Whatever you do, there is dignity in labor. Whatever you do what you do, no matter the work, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Once you see, once you go to work, you are working in the bank, you are working as an apprentice, you are reading as a student, once you realize that last one, that you are, it is the Lord Jesus Christ you are doing what you are serving. It will change the entire attitude to work. It is the Lord Jesus Christ you are doing what you are serving. So you are going to account to the Lord Jesus Christ and not to your master. It is the Lord Jesus Christ you are doing what serving. Because God will then work as a normal routine of living. Every legitimate work is, is what, however minor it may seem, is a potential, a means of what? Glorifying God. Genesis 2 verse 8. Let's see what God does. He said, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. So what did God do? He planted. God himself did what? Planted. So this is an agricultural. If you tell somebody now to go and farm. Or to go and do something. He will think it's a very menial thing. But God did what? Planted. He planted. He was a steward. He gave us an example. So that we don't see anything. Now somebody who lost all his job and everything, he was told, no, okay, just deliver any crayfish. But his wife and children has nothing. And somebody volunteered to help him. Do you understand? To sell crayfish in order to feed his family and send his children back to school. Or say, I am Guinea, so what is wrong with it? Another person was told, look, he, was, he bought a bus and told him, okay, you can now be driving so that we can help in such a way that we can now help your family. The name of the person is Beckerson. He said that, look, so when I stay in the old park and people are shouting, ah, bah, 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 and people look into the driver's seat, they will see Beckerson. Yeah. So he doesn't understand what labor is all about. He doesn't even understand his family is dying. He feels the job is what? Minia. Anything that everybody does in this world must be done to glorify what? God. Not necessarily seeing the work you are doing as being minia. Once you attach it to the gospel, it will be different. The other work is a vocation. You must see the work you are doing or the school at that particular moment as a vocation. God has done what? Called you onto that job. It doesn't mean momentarily God may change you, but at that particular moment, God has decided that at that particular time you are, that is what you need to be doing. Praise God. The other right attitude is hard work. 
Christians fail because of either laziness or overwork. Two things. Laziness or overwork. There are two different things altogether. But I've actually found that, that, look, in this country where we are, people are more lazy than overworking themselves. Do you agree with me? I always see somebody who is dying on his work. If you travel to other countries, you see people who can work from morning to night, seven to seven, everything, but it is not like that. Here, including where I work, by the time it's three, three thirty, everybody has started doing what? Packing to, if you if ever attempt going to see somebody by three, three thirty, I don't think you are going to succeed. The work has already been what? They are passing laziness. So we should not be lazy. We should do extra mile. People will know where you are working. If you actually want to evaluate a Christian, go where he is working and go to his family. If he fails in these two places, his Christianity is in question. Not in the church. Go to where he spends the greater part of his life, at home, do you understand? And where he works. I was walking beside a man whom the wife died. He just passed. The next thing he touched the woman and told, look, he turned and said, if this woman didn't go to heaven, I don't think nobody else will. It was very far back. I was a little, I think when I finished the youth service. So and I knew that, look, families and the place of work are your test. There's no other place you can be tested more than place you work and your family. So do not be lazy. The other thing is that in Matthew chapter 25 to 26, when Jesus was commenting those people he walked, the one that hid the talent, he combined two strong words. He said the man is both wicked and lazy. What a qualification. Both words, wicked and what? Lazy. I don't think God will allow you to be described that way. The other one that is actually frightening to me is 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 6. I think we should read it. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 6. Praise God. Let me read it in NIV. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teachings you receive from us. If you are a brother or you're a sister and you are in the office, and you realize there's a brother or a sister in that office that is not working, it doesn't move fast well, it doesn't do anything, what did the Bible tell you you should do? Keep away. It's not only keep away from people who steal and commit adultery. You should also do what? Keep away. He will corrupt you. He's not living by the word of God. If somebody doesn't come to work, he doesn't do his work, the Bible said, see the person as having leprosy. Keep away. Don't go near that brother. Don't go near that sister. It's a command. It's written very clearly in the scriptures. So God does treat laziness, idleness, with just the way he treats other things. Keep away. Go away, please. Don't associate with such person. Hard work is the mark of a Christian. Jesus said that he works, and his father also do what? Works. And it is in the process of this working that you can attract the gospel. 
The other attitude we need to walk about is excellence, working with all your hearts. Ephesians chapter 6, I'll read it. The Bible says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and what? Fear. With sincerity of heart, just as you will obey what? Christ. He didn't say, slaves, this man is an unbeliever. This man is a stupid man. You have no excuse. Unless he says something that is contrary to the gospel. As long as he's doing his job, the Bible says you should obey him just as you will do what? Obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eyes is on, but like slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your word, heart. Human beings usually fear when they know you are watching them. I have a small clinic. What happened is that I now decided to put a camera there. It was a disaster. Do you understand? Even people that were there were even complaining. They were even asking the persons who were installing it, where will I stay so that Yikoga will not see me? It was a disaster. Human beings don't want to be watched. But that watching is something that is so important. You see, when you are doing something, you are feeling that you are not being watched, you are likely to err. Is it not true? Everybody who has traveled knows that even if you walk through the streets of London, so many cameras have taken you. Is it not true? Everywhere. Everybody knows he's being watched. Why we are actually doing whatever we are doing is that we are not being this consciousness that we are not being watched. Because the first thing the devil will tell you is that God is not here. Nobody is watching you. There are certain things you will never do when you are sure that people are doing what? Watching you. If you know that everything you are going to do in the incoming week is to be projected here, your attitude will change. Is it not true? It will change completely. So it means we also forget that God is watching us. So this is so the Bible tells us to serve wholeheartedly as you we are serving the Lord, not man. Excellence and work. People know those who are working and those who are not doing what work. Even in the offices, there's a peer review. If you pass a file in the offices and tell each and every we know ourselves, those who are working and those who are not doing what, who are not working. The other final one is attitude. Excellence. People come to you in the name of God because you are doing well. If you are a tailor, if you are a tailor, you must sew very well. Is it not true? If you are a mechanic, people will come to you because of the work you are doing. If you are a teacher, student knows they are good teachers, know they are bad teachers. I know those they can also approach and those they cannot approach. And the way we discuss students is the way the students do what? Discuss us. Is it not true? If you have been a student, you discuss your teacher, don't you? You discuss. You know those who are wasting their time, who are not, who don't prepare their lessons, who don't do anything. You will know. So Christians must stand out in being very careful and keeping what? Appointments. Well, when you, there was a, a drama that was shown here many, I think last year or many months ago, 
either last year or something, where a teller was telling somebody, he's a Christian, quite alright, but he was telling us that, look, come tomorrow, come tomorrow. Till that very day of the wedding, if you can remember, that very day of the wedding, he didn't keep that appointment. So, a Christian in the place of work, your word must be what? You are bond. Everything you say must be your bond. Then, skill. If you don't have a skill, either as a tailor, you must pursue that skill. As a doctor, you pursue skill. As a tailor, as a mechanic, you pursue skill. You are pursuing this skill, not because you want to make money, but you want to project the name of Christ. So that if they call me, ah, are you looking for any mechanic? Are you looking for any electrician? Are you looking for the best student? Are you looking for the class rep? I say, go and see John. Go and see Sistuju. These things shows us that we are what? Christians. Praise God. Let me show you one single biblical model. Because I think I have been talking. Let's see one biblical model of how you can combine the work of God with your ministry. And then we close. Now, one biblical model comes from Solomon, the preacher. Let's read. He said, preacher and king. He was both what? A preacher and what? A king. The word of the preacher, the son of David, is a king in Jerusalem. I, the preacher, was king over Israel in what? Jerusalem. You see, he combined the two words. He was a preacher and he was what? A king. What is his priority? He said, I the preacher was a king. He was a mortal king bearing the message for the king eternal. So if a mortal king can preach the gospel. So you think you are more busy, you are busier than him? No, who can raise his hand and say that he's busier than a king who found time to preach this gospel? There was no conflict between the two offices and who work. He was, we don't live a life in compartments. I'm a Christian on Sunday and a worker on Monday. I, the preacher, was a king where? In Israel. Not all preachers pre- preach from the pulpit. Not everybody wants to stand in the pulpit. What was his pulpit? His throne. So anywhere you are becomes what? Your pulpit. If you are a mechanic, your pulpit is what? Your mechanic workshop. If you are a driver, enter the bus being driven by one, one man. When we stayed in that bus, he distributed tracks. Prayed before he drove us out. You have no option. But when he did that, I was even more comfortable. Is it not true? I was even more comfortable. If my panic and everything was Lessened immediately, the man gave us all tracks and then prayed for us before he now go into his chariot. I say, may God, if it is how all drivers in this country is behaving, I wonder whether the accident level will not decrease. Is it not true? So he is the preacher, a driver. So where you are walking, are you the preacher? The other one is that the origin of the sermon added to his authority and influence as a king. And it is difficult to dismiss his sermon. So supposing uh, the governor is preaching. 
or the president when Jonathan was there is preaching. Will you leave? You can't leave. He added, you can't dismiss that this man is mad. You can tell anybody that he's mad, but not the preacher who is the king over Israel. Look at what he said. In spite of that, he said, oh, vanity of all vanity, all his words, vanity. He is the person preaching it. An unusual message from a person of his standing, proving it is a message from God. Obu today, I got like this man on no fair. Is it not true? On no fair. But inside of her, no, 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 that fair, he didn't really push away his priority. And his gospel he had, is, is it inferior to the, to the other gospels? I mean, the, his book, is it inferior to other parts of the Bible? Will you remove it? If you remove it, you have removed part of the scriptures. So look at his conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandment, for it is the whole duty of what? Man. He was preaching, and he was still doing his royal job. So, are you a doctor? Are you a nurse? So, look at what I nurse. The next thing there is that I, the preacher, is a student in a suit. High court judge. I, the preacher. Consultant. I, the preacher. Just say whatever you are in your heart and tell yourself. Say it. I, the preacher. Say your work. Your work. Yes, sitting, a cleaner, a banker, an administrator. You are a staff, you are a professor, you are a nurse, you are a doctor. I was the preacher. So if Solomon could do this, why not me and you? Because when I was preparing this message, I was also looking at myself. Is it not true? I was looking at myself that I need to pray. So that these things that have been spoken to you will not even be a condemnation to me also. So it's not an exclusion. We are all looking at ourselves. So what is our problem? You know why is our problem? We have divided the church into the laity and into the clergy. We've left the whole preaching to the, to the ministers of God. But that was not what it was in the beginning. Everybody was involved in this ministry. Is it not? Everybody is involved in this ministry. That's why people push you to bring tithe. People push you to come out to evangelism. People push you to so many things. Because you believe it's not part of your work. If you come to some fellowships in way evangelism group, others feel they are not part of the evangelism group. Is it not true? So these divisions is our problem. We must reorientate ourselves and find out that we are part and parcel of this gospel. Because look at how we are now. How many ministers of God do we have here? And look at our number. Imagine all of us make up our mind to preach tomorrow and every day in our office. Do you, mind, do you imagine the multiplier effect that will go on? The whole of Enugu will be converted. There's nobody whose duty is to preach. The duty is for what? All of us. I don't blame you because I never knew about this thing till I was a, when I was a young doctor. I was introduced to a fellowship they call Healthcare Christian Fellowship in the old site. I never knew. It was Christians that told me about it that I can preach in the hospital. Sometimes you don't know. In spite of whatever you do, you just go there, do your work quickly, 
jump into your car and go. He said, no, come. You don't do this. You can't just come here and do your work, jump into your car and go home. It was to put a check on you. Supposing you are a doctor and you are not doing very well. Can you preach in the world where your patients are? Can you tell the people who are working with that Jesus saves? You have crippled yourself. You can't. Or if you are working in an office, you are one of those who take money and write their names against other lateness. You can't preach. You have strangulated yourself spiritually. So it also helps you to put a check onto yourself. Praise God. The solution. I imagine that the, the, sometimes I feel that we have also been put into this church and then the place freeze. All of us are freezed in our pews. So I think the solution is for all of us to be defreezed and melted away from our seats. We need to be what? Defreeze us and put us into circulation. We need to be what? Defreezed and put into circulation. We are freezed. I can be freezed. Is it not true? Freeze. And then when you press it again, then you defreeze. Hmm? So you praise that way where you are freezing and then we defreeze. So we should see ourselves as missionaries in the office, in the marketplace, and in the workshop. And then we should not hide the righteousness of God in our place of what? Work. Finally, let me give some few suggestions. There are what we call the paradigm shift. That's the only way we can change. Let us take a personal responsibility for this gospel. Just think about this gospel as if you are the only person responsible for to spread this gospel. That's the only way you can change. If you think another person will do this work, that is why if you believe other people will do this work, you will never rise and do it. Do not live in compartments. You are a Christian in the church, an unbeliever at the place of work. It means you have a two-way two life. Is it not? Two-face. One in the church, one in the... You must learn how to bear his compassion. You must listen. You must be loving. And you must serve him. You must be doing what? Serving people. You must be watched and seize every word. Opportunities for this gospel. You must find to cultivate friends with your peoples. You must. Initially, when students are doing something, they go about telling people to give them some money. I was not doing it. So they said, you called to me that if these students beg you some money, no matter how little it is, if you give them that, if they are doing some activities, you find out that you have, the money may be smaller, but you see the way they are telling you, thank you, chief, thank you, chief. You have cultivated what? A relationship. The other thing is that I know that people are, attend funerals, wedding ceremonies, or when they have, some of you who have Facebooks, when they do something, you write them thumb up and every other thing. You cultivate that habit so that respect is earned. For you to talk to somebody, you have to earn it. Is it not true? If you don't earn it, when you are talking, you will just be wasting your time. The next one is that you have to seek first the kingdom of God as in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. The Holy Spirit and his powers of manifestation. You also learn to preach to your juniors and even to your what? 
to your experience. It's actually very difficult. When I was a young doctor, I was I traveled out with one big professor. Surprisingly to me, he said, let us stay in one room. And we stayed. I woke up in the morning. At night, he slept. I, woke up. When he, he, I didn't know he was just watching me. I woke up very early. And then draw my Bible and draw the daily guide I use. After some time, a very big professor here, he just got up from his seat. Say, man, you can't read those two things too. You can't read those things alone. Let me either read the Bible or read the daily guide for you. Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm saying? This is say, let me either read the Bible or read the daily guide for you. And we did and we prayed. Because initially I was even thinking I have dismissed me as an unbeliever. That this man will not go to heaven. But you have found out that, that look, sometimes the little thing we do, you can even preach to your seniors. When we are small, what we usually fear is even a cleaner. A cleaner, cleaner, bachelor, with, with Bible in the hand. The chief executive fears him. Is it not true? The chief executive fears this. The, I remember one man who told me that look, there was once one, one, one of the principals in school of North, I mean one school, secondary school in uh, in Onitsha. I was there, they were wrecking. Said so this principal they posted to this school. I think it was in Onitsha then. That this this that we can't understand him. We can't understand the lady. No, but it's you. They know me pay Bible. I put so many colors of ink inside that place. And there's nothing you will tell this woman she will hear. Do you understand? That the only thing we can do is to go to Abuja and remove her from the school. For her, for them, the woman was a stumbling block. But for us, the woman was living out her life in her place of work. Is it not true? She was living her life. So, the other option is that if you have employed people, these are paradigm shifts. If you have employed people in your place of work, call them, become their pastor. Do you understand? Because every morning, even if it's 10 to 15 minutes, pray with them. And then draw a roster and give them opportunity also to preach to you. You'll be surprised. When you read the Bible and tell them to pray with you, if you're before, it may not be 10 to 15 minutes or 30 minutes of every day of your work. It's not too much. So that you can become I the word. The preacher. You can share tracks. Finally. God employed you to be the light and the salt in your place of work. Are you? Let us pray. We are making this thing a reflection. Is a reflection. Looking inside yourself. Imagine where you will go tomorrow. Where you are going to walk tomorrow. People you are going to meet. Imagine your place of work. Strategize. How you are going to change your behavior. How you are going to change the word of God. In that place. Don't talk about. Think about any other person. Think about yourself. So that I become. I the preacher.
living this world in our workplace. Can two work together except they agree? Can you preach the gospel unless you are sent? You must first give your life to Jesus. And when you have given your life to Jesus, He will equip you to preach. Today is a good day to enter into that relationship. We have seen the attitude we ought to have. We have seen why God brought us into the world. We have seen God's goal and expectations concerning our lives. Do you want to be part of that? The doorstep is to give your life to Jesus. And so if you want to give your life to Jesus, begin to talk to him now. Tell him, Lord Jesus, I come back to you. Give me that new life. Give me that new life so that I will find my destiny. Give me that new life. Because without you I can do nothing. Make me a new person. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. If that was your prayer, I want to pray with you. Eternal Father, your word says that when we agree concerning a thing on earth, it is established for us in heaven. Behold, these your children who at this time stand before you. They desire a walk with you on earth. Eternal King of glory, they have received your word. They have put their confidence in you. Separate them from the world in the name of Jesus. Blot out their names from the book of death and write their names in the book of life. Fill them with your spirit, the promised Holy Spirit that will transform them into instruments in your service. Uphold them, O Lord, through this path that they have chosen. And Heavenly Father, ensure that they enter into your eternal grace. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. We would like you, the three of you, to go behind to the entry of the church. There is an instruction you are going to receive. For the rest of us, How many people have you spoken to in the last one year in your workplace? This is the seventh month of the year. In your workplace, in your business place, you are a housewife, your home is your workplace, your yard is your workplace. And you carry the name, I am a Christian. 
How many people have you prayed for? That they may be saved. Begin to talk to God now. Tell him you want to make a paradigm shift. A paradigm shift means I was going to our nature and discovered that that road was not right. And I found myself turning to go to Soka. When that shift occurs, the end result is a different destination. Begin to talk to God. Tell Him you want His help so that you'll be able to identify opportunities to share the gospel. Tell Him that you want His grace so that you'll be able to talk to somebody even if it means just giving a testimony of how you were saved. That can save a lot of people. You can just tell them how Jesus saved you and what he's doing in your life. That is preaching the gospel. You don't need to quote from Genesis to Revelation. The more practical things are the application of the word in our lives. Father, we pray that Lord, you will cause your people to be willing and to go forth to preach your word. Help every soul that right now stands before you asking for help. And cause a heavenly king that we shall be a church that will stand right before you. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray.